Please turn to Psalms 2. Psalms 2. I ran across a list of a few predictions from the past. And today, knowing how it turned out, it's, it's a little comical. But Thomas Watson said... He was chairman of IBM in 1943, and his prediction was, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. An editor in charge of business books for Prentice Hall in 1957 says, I have traveled the length and breadth of this country and talked with the best people And I can assure you that data processing is a fad that won't last out the year. Ken Olson, president, chairman, and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977 made this statement. There is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Uh, Western Union internal memo in 1876, someone stated, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. David Sarnoff's associates in response to his urging for investment in the radio in the 1920s. His associate's response was, this wireless music box has no imaginable commercial value. Who would pay for a message sent to nobody in particular? Uh, A Yale University management professor in response to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service. By the way, this Smith went on to found Federal Express Corporation. And the Yale University professor said this of his idea of overnight delivery service. The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. Uh, Gary Cooper and his decision not to take the leading role in Gone with the Wind. He says, I'm just glad it'll be Clark Gable who's falling on his face and not Gary Cooper. Oh, well, one more, two more. A response to Debbie Fields' idea of starting Mrs. Fields' cookies. A cookie store is a bad idea. Besides, the market research reports say America likes crispy cookies, not soft and chewy cookies like you make. Wrong there. Lord Kelvin, president of the Royal Society in 1895, he said, heavier than air flying machines are impossible. Well, there are some predictions that have taken place. You know, a lot of predictions have been made before, and it's in the, a lot have been wrong, and it's not a big deal upon a lot of subjects. You know, there, there are some who have been right. There was some 
there was someone who was writing all their predictions on TV for a while. If anybody remembers the show Early Edition, I don't know how far back we're going there, but there was a show on TV called Early Edition, and the main character on the show would get the next day's newspaper in advance. Had a little fiction going here, okay? And he would read it, and then he would do his own show about the upcoming news for the next day. He would get tomorrow's news and relate it to his viewers today. Quite successful, had him a good following. Because he had tomorrow's newspaper today, he could inform people on what no one else could. You know, and most of the people that we interact at work with, maybe at school, maybe we make our routine trips to certain stores every week, and a lot of times we see a lot of the same people. Sometimes we see new people. And as Christians, we have information that others do not have. Christians have an early edition, if you will. God has given us an early edition. We can function today in light of what we know of God's plan to be for us in the future. And there are others who cannot do that. I mean, what we know as we're living in this day and time is that Jesus Christ is coming back to the clouds one day. And He's coming to get His people. He's coming to rule and reign upon this earth. And for some, that means destruction. And for others, it means delight. And there's something we can do about it that we're going to find out about in this second psalm. And and as we look at this psalm tonight, I don't have a, a sermon for you. I don't think I'm going to be doing any excitable preaching or anything, I want us to look at Psalms 2 and and see what's here and be educated on what's here and make an application. Everyone can make an application to their lives from it that we might just leave knowing what it's about. I remember studying a chapter of the Bible one time and, and I was so passionate on just teaching what is said in that chapter that I titled the sermon... I don't remember the book or the whatever it was at the time, but let's say Romans chapter 7. That's what I titled the message because I simply wanted us to be able to understand and focus on and get what's there. First of all, this second psalm is prophetic. It is quoted in the New Testament. It, it is referred to in the New Testament at least 18 times. And that is going to be more than, than any other Old Testament chapter being quoted in the New Testament, any single chapter anyway, any, any other single psalm. Uh, it's quoted more than any other. This is a Messianic psalm. There are a total of about 13 Messianic psalms, and that means that, that Jesus is being referred to, and He's also being referred to in the New Testament from some verses that we find. We're going to look at this psalm in three different ways for three different simple points tonight. We're just going to look at this psalm as as a presentation. 
What, what, what's the presentation in the psalm? It's almost going to be like a seminary class in some ways tonight. We're going to look at the presentation of this psalm. We're going to look at the education in this psalm. And we're going to look at the application from this psalm. We can sum up this psalm in the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ is what we see here tonight. And so as we look into the presentation of this psalm, um, we have presented to us in verses 1 through 3 the, the rage of the unbelieving world, the rebellion, and also the resolve of the unbelieving world to overthrow God. And so look with me at verses 1 through 3. It starts out, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointing, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You know, the, the rebellion that we can all identify that's going on in the world today against God. Look, there's always, there's always been rebellion against God. There was then, and there is now. And so in verse 1, we see the rage. There, there's a rage and there's a conspiring and a plotting of the wicked to go against God. Just stop and think about that for a minute. Taking a stand against God. What a vain thing to do. I mean, wasted... I can't stand wasted efforts. There, there is no more guarantee of wasted effort than going against God. How empty are, are the, the practices to stand against God's will. And in ignorance, you know, they, these efforts are proudly displayed. There, there are many that are proudly displayed today. About six or seven years ago, I heard about a very wealthy man and woman in, in marriage, their husband and wife. And their open plan before the world was they're going to get rid of the existence of the Bible. They thought they had enough money to remove the existence of the Bible from off the earth. And, and as I say that, I know what's going through your mind. Exactly what we find here in the Word. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? What an empty thought. What a waste of time to go against God, but in a rage they do. And there are things that were shamefully hidden years ago that are presented before the world with no shame today. And th this is coming from people that God created. And they plot against Him hatefully in a rage. And we're not just talking about individuals. We're talking about large people groups. We're talking about nations then. We're talking about nations now. And we see that rebellion uh, in verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His uh, anointing. People use their position of power to influence an entire people group. Uh, a country and a wicked zeal against God. 
And then in verse 3, as we read, we see a resolve here. The aggressive attacks that are made against God because the unsaved can't stand the restraints of the sin nature that we find in instruction in God's Word. That those who say, I don't believe in God, those who say, I, I hate God, what, what it boils down to is loving sin and, and not being able to stand what the Bible stands for and what, what God stands for. And there are those who would do an injustice to God. And let me just say this, not that God needs our help, but God forbid we not be as aggressive in serving our Lord as those who would try to do an injustice and bring a harm against the Lord. But in saying that God doesn't need our help, let's look at His response to this in verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. God has a response to the rage, the rebellion, and the resolve in this world. The loud rage against God is responded to by a subtle mocking of them. You know, there is no power in unbelief. When, when you hear someone say they don't believe, when you hear someone reject God or the things of God, they speak and they say it as though there is a power in their unbelief. And I love Romans 3.3, 3, which says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Well, of course it doesn't make the faith of God without effect. There is no power in unbelief. God has not packed up and gone home with His beautiful plan that He has made for mankind and the giving of His Son for all of our sins and, and, and preparing us a home in heaven and being able to be with Him for eternity. No unbelief will be powerful enough to take that away. God laughs at His enemies. I want you to think about that in an aggressive day and time of those who would oppose God. God laughs at His enemies, but we also do see where He speaks in verse 5. So let's look at God speak in verse 5. It says, Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. All God, God doesn't have to be direct with someone. All God has to do is speak of His future judgment. You know, there, there is a welcoming all through the Bible for anyone to become a child of God. And at the same time there is that welcoming, there is also a warning throughout God's Word to those who reject Him. The warning is there over and over. And in verse 7 and 8, we see the presentation of God's purpose to establish His Son as Lord of all the earth where this, where this welcome and this warning goes out from. It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and it shall be given thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So we see the presentation of God's purpose 
to establish His Son as Lord of all of the earth. But then when we combine verses 8 and 9, we see the presentation of Jesus as judge. He says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. We see the presentation of Jesus as judge here. He will be judge to all the nations that reject Him. Judgment is coming from Jesus upon these, upon these things. They will be thrown out like broken pottery. Notice what He said there. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You know, some people tried to repair pottery with wax and and the sun would melt it and it would reveal the crack in the pottery and you you didn't you you couldn't salvage cracked pottery so they would break it and they would throw it out you know what you know where they would actually throw it out to they would throw it out in the pathway in the road and they a book that i have called everyday life and bible times comes to me and and you know it would rain the ground would get soft here and there and, but but people traveled down the road and so what what did they use what did they have to make the roads firm and reinforced with well they threw out broken pottery they threw out the, these different things that that were of no good to anything else but would be good substance in the road and then they walked on those things they walked on the pottery god's people walked down the road on that broken pottery and and here we see that that those who reject the Lord are going to be thrown out like broken pottery. Jesus is going to judge those who set themselves against Him. That's not what He wants though. And we see what Jesus would rather have for the entire world in verses 10 through 12. He, after, after He tells them, after it is, it is established and, and we have the presentation that Jesus is judge, He goes on in verse 10 to say, Be wise now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. The Lord would rather have all kiss the Son. Aren't you glad that you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That you kiss the Son, if you will? There are those who are determined determined to permanently set themselves against the Lord, but that doesn't mean that the Lord has stopped His mercy and His grace from being extended to all to go out for everyone who is lost that they might be saved. God wants to take the sin burden away from those, those who reject Him, those who have never received Him, there, there he is right there wanting to take the sin burden away from them. I mean, the, the penalty of sin is death. And every single one of us have sinned. We understand that. God's law tells us that. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Just simplifying a few commandments to see that everyone falls short of the glory of God. 
and Jesus came in our place. There, there's nothing we could do about it. But Jesus came in our place, and He satisfied the sin debt that, that we owed, and that He lived a perfect life, and He gave His life on the cross for all of us. The fact that people reject the Lord doesn't stop the merciful call of God to go out to the lost that they might be saved. God still wants to take the burden of sin away from those who reject Him. He desires that all be blessed in Him. He wants to bless everyone. The presentation we end here is for those who place their faith in the Son of God are, are blessed. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. So, so there's the presentation of this psalm, but there's, there's some things to learn in it. There's an education that we get from this psalm. And, and as we look at it, I, I, I believe this is definitely going to hit home with something that burdens us today that the Christian gets discouraged about and very heavy about. So in the education we have here, we, what we learn of is the continual downgrade of the nations. The continual downgrade that is happening uh, among people. The rebellion of nations against God's will. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Okay? Will some be saved along the way? I sure hope so. I know they can. I know that God is mighty to save. I, I know of three professions of faith in the last week and a half or so, just, just within the realm of, of those I know of myself. And, and the Lord has still been saving. And He, and he still can. And, and we can be thankful for that. But as a whole, countries, people groups, people are going to continue to decline. And people are going to get worse and worse. And the day of the Lord is coming. He's coming soon. I, I say soon, not as in to put a time on it. I don't know when. But the Lord is coming. And when He does, the God of mercy has, has passed. And the God of judgment, who would have saved anyone who would come to Him, are going to receive trouble in that day. Everyone who refuses the Lord Jesus Christ is in for trouble. It will be a terrible time of tribulation that will come upon Christ rejectors. It, it, may, it may not seem so much in the first three and a half years, but in the last three and a half years of that seven years of tribulation, it is going to be chaos and it is going to be wrath. I'm thankful when I read in the book of Thessalonians that that God's people are not appointed under wrath. We are going to be raptured out before the tribulation. We're not going to experience any wrath. I've heard of mid-trib and, and post-trib, but, but God's people are not appointed to wrath. He's taking us up out of here before that time of tribulation. It's going to be a terrible time upon the Christ rejectors. And God the Son is waiting on the call from God the Father right now 
at His right hand, ready to return to receive His people. And the enemies of God are going to become His footstool. They're going to be made His footstool. So we learn of the continual downgrade of the nations, but we also learn of the victorious lordship of Christ over all of the earth, and that now, right now, is the time of mercy and grace. And there's coming a time when it's going to be too late to receive the mercy and grace of God. I mean, the poor lost beggar on the street right now and some of the most powerful, influential, lost people on earth right now and all in between need to be saved before it's eternally too late. And that time is right now upon this earth. Have you ever noticed... Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, verse 10, that they may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Right now is where forgiveness happens. One man was witness to one day, and, and he, was, he was admitting that he had broken God's law, and yes, he would stand before Him guilty, and he said, but when I, but when I, go, up, but when I go up there, isn't there some forgiveness up there? And I'm glad for the young Christian I heard give the answer to him. And he said, not if you die without Christ. There's there's no forgiveness for rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's ultimately the unforgivable sin. We learn here that now is the time of mercy and grace and forgiveness. It's now upon this earth. I, I, I... and by the way, I know we think about all of, all of the, the evangelists uh, during that time of tribulation and, and those who will be saved there, but make no mistake about it. It will be no one who rejected Jesus Christ before He came back to the clouds. The Bible speaks of a strong delusion that, that will come over them and those who rejected Christ before He came back. And, and so it's too late for Christ rejectors when He returns. Now is the time for mercy. There's grace and forgiveness now upon this earth. Now is the time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And for those who do prepare, we have a wonderful truth that we learn here, that there is nothing for us to fear. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, your bags are spiritually packed for heaven for all eternity. And there is nothing to fear for those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have kissed the Son, if you will, are blessed. What is the application in this psalm for us tonight? As we look at this, we see that things are going to get worse and worse. Nations are going to get worse and worse. People are, are, are going to get worse. And it's going to keep proceeding in that direction. Things are even going to escalate in that direction, okay? The world will be in its greatest state of rebellion, it's safe to say, when Jesus Christ comes back for His people. 
And so there's an application to an unsaved world. It's exciting when the unsaved hear the Word of God. It's exciting to realize that when we walk out these doors, it's a mission field out there. And to share the Word of God with the world, it's an exciting thing to do because there is an application that, that God will move the hearts of the lost to make in this. When they hear the division of this psalm, the application, well, it's, it's for the unsaved to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins so that they can be blessed instead of cursed. We all start out that way in Adam. We, Adam's sin has passed upon to every single one of us. It's not about anyone's actions. It's not about someone being better than someone else. And Well, they're a lot worse off than I am. It's not about that. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all in the same boat. We all begin in the same boat. Adam's sin has passed upon every single one of us. And so the application for the lost here is a very important one, that they might be blessed instead of cursed, that they might be delivered instead of doomed. It makes so much sense for the unsaved, the one who does not know they're going to heaven, the one who does not have peace in the Lord, their their peace is not in the right place, there's not a real peace in trying to do good and be good, there's a real peace that comes in a person, the person of Jesus Christ when we trust in Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. And so it makes so much sense for the unsaved to investigate the person of Jesus Christ and to find out about Him. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says, Then shall He say unto them on the left hand, Depart from Me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, hell's prepared for the devil and his angels. He, it's not prepared for people. He doesn't want people to go there. People are just determined to trample the blood of Christ and to reject Him in order to get there. But let's go on to something that Paul says later in Galatians 3.13. He says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus hung on that tree to take our curse for us, that we might be set free from sin. We have been redeemed. I I like that newer, I say newer song, newer song in the last 20 years. I've been redeemed. He set me free. I'm, I'm not who I used to be, for I am redeemed. I love that, and we have been set free from our sin in Jesus. The lost, 
need to investigate the person of Jesus Christ. There is an application for the lost here tonight. There's an application for the saved. What might that be though? Because what we've shared tonight is that we, here we are, Jesus Christ has saved us, our citizenship is in heaven, we're going to heaven, but we're left here on this earth right now, and while we're here on this earth, this world is getting worse and worse. It's going to get more and more wicked as time goes on, right up to the return of Jesus Christ. What is there for the Christian to apply here? Though this world is getting worse and worse with wicked influence, and though there be many who never will be saved, there there are those who do not want Jesus. There are those who do not want the forgiveness of sins. And look, there are those who do not want to go to heaven. This is another message for another day. But there are going to be those in hell, and they still, they don't want heaven. They don't want Jesus. And so, and so that's what we have among a lot of people upon this earth. What's the application for you and I here tonight, though, as children of God? That doesn't mean there's not some who won't be saved. There are many who have no interest. There are many who do not want to be saved. They will not be saved. We don't know who that is, but they will reject Christ. But there are some who will. Things are going to get worse and worse, but that doesn't mean there aren't some who will be saved. The Christian's heart is to be moved here tonight by this, by this word to apply the urgent need to witness the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to lost souls, to souls who are without Jesus, to share the gospel that lost souls might be saved. There are, there are some that we can believe that will be redeemed from the curse of their sin. And the application from us is that it might be laid on our hearts that we might tell others of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. What a privilege we have. What a special job we have been given from God before Jesus returns, right now in this day and time, to tell of the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be careful. We need to be careful with the day and time that we live in and, 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 and as we think about the wickedness in this world, we cannot make that our focus. If we make that our focus it's going to distract us from the special job that we have to do of sharing the power, the dynamite of God to salvation, the power of Jesus Christ to being saved. We need to be evangelizing the lost. And and if our focus is on how bad this world is getting, well, it's going to take our focus off of the job that we have. You know what will happen to the Christian? If we just think about how bad it is and, 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 and just to try to wrap our minds around it getting worse and worse possibly uh, in, in big ways before Jesus comes back, it'll also take our minds off the great future that we have in heaven with the Lord 
forever. Vance Havner summed it up well on us being careful at how we look at the world in this day and time and how we let it affect us. Vance Havner said, we are not just looking for something to happen. We are looking for someone to return. And when these things begin to come to pass, we are not to drop our heads in discouragement or shake our heads in despair, but rather lift our heads in delight. We have something to rejoice in no matter what happens in this world. And what we have to rejoice in is such an amazing privilege to be to be ambassadors for Christ, given a message from God to share with the world, be ye reconciled to God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. No matter how bad this world gets, it would never make any sense to minimize the saving power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we're to rejoice in that Hey, we're children of God. Our citizenship's in heaven. God is taking us there. The Lord is coming to get us. And we can take someone else along with us. We can share that Jesus saves from sin. And there will be those saved right before our very presence. And we'll get to take them with us. And we're going to be in heaven forever. So, so maybe it's one thing tonight. Maybe it's thinking about the kind of world that we live in in this day and time and the aggressiveness and the thrust of wicked that is so open that we see before our very eyes. Don't hang your head. Don't be in despair, child of God, because He has given us a special job to do, and hey, we're children of the Almighty God. He's taking us home to be with Him one day. It's a win-win for the children of God. Amen? Well, let's go ahead and close tonight, and I pray that there is an encouragement that happens as we go through the world uh, to be a representative of Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't become so, so exasperated with what's going on in this time that that the light of Christ does not shine from our lives because that's, that's why we're here. That's our purpose. Amen. Jamie Wireman, please close our Bible study in a word of prayer tonight, sir. God bless you all.